stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about where the bull markets are in 2022. So the stock market continues to sell off. We have some other things like cryptos, pretty weak, but um, there's always there's always a bull market somewhere, as the saying goes. And just the other day, my younger brother called me, to, and he wanted to talk about Logan Paul's fake Pokemon purchase. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, my brothers both uh, invest in various baseball cards and other trading cards. So they're up on all the things happening with them. I don't think they're big into the Pokemon, but I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But you're not going to miss this story if you are into the trading cards thing. So Logan Paul, he's a Pokemon fan, and he spent $3.5 million to buy a box, like an actual big box, of sealed, allegedly sealed, unopened first edition Pokemon cards. Now, any kind of fan of trading cards knows if you hear like first edition, then you usually know that's going to mean pretty good things, especially if that type of card has been around a while. So these unopened packs, um, not even just in an actual box. So this was in a bigger box that contained several of the smaller boxes you would see at like the store that you get the packs out of, right? Um, but even just those smaller box that have the unopened packs, those have gotten very valuable in the last several years. There's kind of like a mania on the unopened packs now. And that's kind of due to the scarcity of them because let's be honest, we all opened the packs back in the day. In the 1970s and 80s, we wanted to open it and in baseball card land, we wanted to see if we were getting, you know, a um, some kind of cool rookie card in there that was worth a lot of money in the 1980s when baseball cards were really hot. So we didn't really keep those packs around, but you could buy them at various baseball card shows. And some people just kind of kept them on the side as like a fun collectible and didn't open them. So those are now very valuable. And if you can get those packs in the original box, even more so. So that's what this box that he bought for $3.5 million contained. And inside, in, in the packs and the boxes inside, um, it was probably certain if these were actually the first edition that there would be maybe as many as a dozen very valuable Pokemon cards in there. And some of the Pokemon cards have been selling for as much as $200,000 for the very rare exclusive ones, including some of these ones in the first edition. So after he bought it, apparently, he shared it on YouTube with his followers and some Pokemon fans on there said that they were worried that that box was fake, that he got taken. So he took the box to a place called the Baseball Card Exchange. They're here in Chicago. And they have a long history of authenticating various um, baseball cards, other trading cards, and things like the original packs. Uh, because it used to be you maybe could steam open the original packs. Don't ask me how I know these things. But yes, you could have some shenanigans with the original packs. 
But they looked at the box and they felt like it was authentic and it had not been pre-opened. This is just the big regular box. I would say it was about 24 inches across. And so it contained numerous of the boxes in there. So he did a live opening with Baseball Card Exchange and posted it on his YouTube channel um, uh, because he was still worried, even though uh, BCE authenticated it, he did come to Chicago and with BCE, they opened it. And inside the box was the original smaller boxes like you would have seen in the stores of the Pokemon cards. And then they opened that and well, alas, as as you might have feared where the story was going, yes, they were fake. <laughs> they were actually, well, not even fake. They were not Pokemon cards. They were not first edition. They were apparently 1991 G.I. Joe packs in there. So, yes, he was scammed. And someone went to a lot of trouble to make it look like this was authentic. But don't feel bad for Logan Paul because apparently his money's already been refunded. And uh, the that seller is going after their original seller to get the money back that they paid for it. So... I bring up the story, not because the trading card side of it is all that interesting to those of you who are not into trading cards, but because excessive speculation and like the things we're seeing now with the Pokemon card selling for $200,000 or, you know, some of the really high prices paid for some of the baseball cards and um, what we're seeing with the cryptocurrencies with like Dogecoin and Shiba Inu coin and these coins that really have no, no real worth soaring. And uh, we're seeing speculation in numerous areas, including in a lot of stocks, right? This kind of speculation many times can lead to fakes, cons, fraud at the end of the speculatory period. So, we're starting to see some of that develop in some of these markets now. And this story with Logan Paul is another uh, part of it that now the fraudsters, the cons are starting to appear as the speculation mounts in some of these asset classes. In stocks, remember, we had Rivian Automotive. It went public on no earnings. It soared to a market cap bigger than either Ford or General Motors. It has come down significantly off those highs, but it still has a market cap of over 60 billion right now, still on no earnings. So some of these are signs of speculation at the top. You get the fakes, frauds, the too good to be true as maybe this Pokemon purchase was. That's why the fans got kind of nervous. Uh, people who have traded in the Pokemons thought maybe, hey, even though he paid 3.5 million, this is too good to be true that you're gonna get a whole box of unopened first editions. Never say never that that doesn't exist out there, but um, in this case, it did not. So, um, so why, again, bringing all this up, yes, we're starting to see some of this fraud and frothiness because as I said at the opening of this episode, there is always a bull market somewhere. So even though this last bull market, whether or not it was in Pokemon cards or the cryptos or um, stocks on the tech side or some SPACs that got really hot or the meme stocks, 
those may be going out of favor. Those may be, you know, tumbling here, but there is always a bull market somewhere. So I went back to look in the years 2000 to 2003 as the tech stocks and the dot-com stocks all came down to earth in those years to see what was going on in the rest of the stock market during that time. So we know that the NASDAQ was down big. It was down 46.3% for those three years. The S&P 500, not as bad because it wasn't as heavily weighted in the technology, but it was still down 22% over those three years. So both of those are pretty rough as an investor. But what if you owned outside of tech? I looked at some individual holdings to kind of get a clue because I knew some areas uh, were still doing well in those years, even as the major indexes weren't and even as tech continued to slide. So I just picked out a few tickers that I'm familiar with and plugged them in to those three years to see what was happening. So I looked at Caterpillar ticker CAT, that was up 57% during that time period. I looked at Home Depot thinking, you know, the housing market was starting to heat up. We're at the beginning stages of the housing boom and then bubble. And maybe everybody's remodeling and doing all that. But Home Depot down 44.9% during that time period. Um, Home Depot had seen a surge in the late 1990s. So um, not totally surprised, but a little surprised that it was that big of a sell-off there for Home Depot. On the flip side, the home builders were surging because, again, the home buying market started to pick up. So I looked at Toll Brothers. It was up 330% during those three years. So that's where the bull market was found, or one of them. Uh, I looked up Fastenal, one of my favorites on manufacturing construction side. Of course, home building's up big. A lot of construction going on in those years. And Fastenal up 139.8%, crushing it, basically. I looked at energy because energy had entered into a new bull market in 1999. And uh, crude prices were on the rise. But Exxon actually was down 4.3% during those three years. So that was a little surprising to me because I know energy was doing well. So I looked at some of the peer play uh, explorers and producers and sure enough those were up big eog resources up 170 percent apache which i actually bought during these years um was up 156 percent and uh so that one was surging so i just bring up these examples and these are just some i picked out they all didn't work but several of them did even while the tech stocks and all of that was, you know, getting hammered over those three years. There was bull markets going on, even in stocks. So what should you be doing? Uh, my advice is to a lot of you who aren't in any areas outside of the growthy tech names, um, you know, internet, uh, social media, uh, pandemic winners, Um, any stock that doesn't have any earnings, the SPACs with no earnings, the the meme stocks, any of those, is to diversify. Get into areas where the bull market is uh, actually happening. So 
my advice would be to look for industries that have rising earnings. Something good is going on there if the analysts are raising their earnings estimates here for 2022. Somehow they're going to do well in this uh, rising rate environment and inflationary environment, and they're able to have pricing power and they're able to pass it along so their margins aren't getting real hit. And so look for rising earnings. Uh, look for companies that pay dividends because they may have good free cash flows. So if they're paying you that dividend, uh, you know, they know how to manage the business to get that to you. And also with those rising rates, look for industries that may do well in the rising rate environment. Don't fight the Fed. So you shouldn't have fought them on the way down on the rates. Don't fight them on the way up. And fighting them means owning the companies that will do worse on earnings in a rising rate environment and not owning those that will do better. So I did a screen for stocks with uh, higher Zach's rank, but it also included the number three holds. So uh, holds, buys, and strong buys. I looked for dividends, and this screen was over 5%. So that's a really high dividend of growth. Uh, that's really high dividends. And then I looked for some growth components to these stocks so that we could get you know, rising earnings, and um, something decent going on here as those rates rise. So what did the screen mean? It means REITs, because I picked the dividends over 5%, and maybe banks. And some of these, you would say, if you looked at the list, you're like, oh, those are boring. I can't take it. No, I don't want that. But they've probably been out of favor. Now they may be coming back into favor. and. Interestingly, on um, the three stocks I'm going to talk about here, I looked to see what they did during the 2000, the 2003 uh, bust, the dot-com bust, and how they performed then. And I'm not saying right now is the dot-com bust, not at all. But some of these stocks are contrarian plays for when the growth uh, story may be slowing down or ending. Some of these are uh, where the money rotates into and they step into that void. So let's let's jump right in. Uh, the first stock is called WP Carry, ticker WPC, and they describe themselves as the largest net lease REIT. And they do commercial real estate, which I know you're like, no, why would I want to be in commercial right now during the pandemic? But they specialize in high quality single tenant industrial, warehouse, office, retail, and self-storage properties with long-term leases where they're then able to um, raise the rents on some of those as it goes along. So they're expected to see growth on earnings. It's low growth, but that's what you would expect from one of these big REITs. So they're expected to see 5.7% earnings growth here in 2021 and 3.6% in 2022. They're trading with the PE of 15.3, and they have a market cap of 14 billion. So this is no small REIT here. They pay the dividend, obviously, over 5%, because that's what I screened for, and it's 5.3%. So that's pretty juicy. Now, remember, REITs uh, have a different tax component to them for your uh, taxes to the government in the United States. So... Um, 
be sure to uh, consult your tax advisor and know what's happening when you own REITs and what the tax implications are for that. So over the last year, these shares were up 17.4%. They're off the recent highs, but not by much. This isn't one that you're going to see, you know, some huge sell-off, except maybe during the pandemic when that hit in 2020. But otherwise, uh they're going to telegraph pretty clearly what's happening in the business and what the cash flows are like because they're paying that big dividend out to all the shareholders. Now, interestingly, as I mentioned, I did look at 2000 to 2003 and WP Carey, they've been around five or six decades now. Those shares were up 86% during that time period, 2000 to 2003. So you can see that some of the money did rotate into the REITs during that period uh, when tech was getting crushed down. So that's WP Carry, WPC. Then the second stock was the only bank that showed up on the screen. And that's because, again, I searched for dividend over 5%. Very few banks are paying right now over 5%. There's some in the threes, a few in the fours. But uh, this is the only one that showed up with the correct rank over 5%. So what is it? It's New York Community Bank Corps, ticker NYCB. It used to be called Queens County Bank Corps um, until 2000 when they changed the name to New York Community Bank Corps because they're now in the New York metro area, New Jersey, Ohio, Florida, and Arizona. They were actually founded in 1859. So I like these kinds of old banks because they have quite a track record, right? Around that long, they are paying a dividend yielding 5.1%. So that's pretty juicy. Uh, they have a 6 billion market cap. Their PE is 10.2 and earnings soared here in 2021 up 42.5%. But now we've turned the calendar to 2022, but expected to be up again 4.6%. And remember, the Fed has not yet raised rates, so none of the earnings estimates are pricing in any rate increases until it actually starts to happen. So the analysts are not pricing it in yet to those earnings. So still expect to see 4.6% even with it not being priced in. So over the last month, these shares have rebounded as the 10-year yield has inched up 12.6%. And over the last year, they're up 20.1%. So they are in the green, um, which is more than you can say for the growthy names. And you're getting that dividend in there as well. So what did these shares do over 2000 to 2003? Now, if you recall, the banks started to heat up in that time period as well. Um, because it was a good time in the economy. There were a lot of people taking out mortgages as the housing boom rallied on, and that all went to the bottom line of the banks. So these shares in 2000, 2003 were up 331% during that time period. <laughs> wow. So that's one of the best performers we've seen during that time period so far was this bank that had been around in 1859 since 1859 now they haven't reported earnings yet i'm recording this on january 18th 2022 they report on january 26th all the banks are reporting here in january 2022 so be turning be sure to tune in find out what they're saying 
see what happens, um, and keep the banks on your list here. Now, the third stock is also kind of interesting. So there were no like big oil stocks other than um, PetroChina was on the list, but none in the U.S. were on the list. But there was a pipeline company, Enbridge was on the list, ticker ENB. So they call themselves the leading energy delivery system in North America. They move about 25% of the crude oil produced within North America and 20% of the natural gas consumed in the United States. So they do pipelines, storage, and they're also in renewable energy and have an ESG program. So they're Canadian, they're headquartered in Calgary, they have 12,000 employees and an 85.3 billion market cap. They uh, will report earnings in February, so tune in for that. February 11th, they're supposed to report on. And uh, what is their earnings story look like? So earnings were expected to be up 23% in 2021 and another 9.8% in 2022 so far. And PE of 17, so a little pricier than a few of the others, but I didn't even screen for PE on these. I just screened for the growthy aspect and the dividend, and I still got you know pretty affordable PEs on all three of these. Dividend yield, a little higher than the other two at 6.5%, because these pipeline companies tend to pay out most of their earnings to the shareholders, but that's pretty juicy, 6.5%. So what have the shares done over the last year? They're up 19%. And over the last month, as crude and natural gas prices have risen, the energy complex has got really bullish. The pipelines don't really depend on uh, rising crude prices or anything like that for their earnings, but demand is on the rise. And as uh, production increases, demand rises, that goes to their bottom line. So over the last month, these shares are up 13.7% when the rest of the market has been pretty weak here. But what they do in 2000, 2003, so as I mentioned, there was an energy bull going on to start that decade, even as the dot-com bust was raging. Uh, again, there were bull markets in other areas, and one of them was energy. And from that period, 2000 to 2003, um, Enbridge shares were up 100% during that time period. Remember, S&P 500 down 22 and the NASDAQ down 46% during that time period. So I'm just bringing up these examples of uh, companies that are holding up right now that are in areas that look more bullish than um, some of the other areas that are getting hit. And good investors should have a diverse portfolio. It was fun to be heavily weighted in tech. I, I own tech. I own the growth names, even though I'm a value investor, but I also own value. And so it's good to have a diverse portfolio. So when one side breaks down, you have something else that maybe is holding up or doing better than the overall market and will outperform. So yes, there are always bull markets somewhere, um, even in stocks and other asset classes. Um, even if something else is bro broken down, you can still find areas that uh, maybe you know will outperform and have this good outlook and these good fundamentals. And some of these are the areas that do. So let me 
repeat those tickers again. So we had WP Carry, which is the REIT, WPC. We had New York Community Bank Corps, NYCB, and we had Enbridge, ENB. And let's hope that all three of those see as good a performance uh, in the next coming years as it did in 2000, 2003. There's no guarantees on anything. No cycles repeat exactly the same, of course, um, and conditions are always different. Obviously, we're in a pandemic now, and there was no pandemic in uh, 2000, but still, I want to give some hope out there to those of you who think everything is terrible and there's nowhere to make any money and nowhere to go with your investments. There is. And be aware of the increase in the fraud and the cons and the fake outs that are happening in some of these more speculative areas, because I expect that to continue um, while we see some kind of correction or um, bear market or what may happen, I don't know, in some of those speculative areas. So be warned about you know the cons and the frauds. And um, go check out that Logan Paul video because it's pretty interesting to see them opening up the box <laughs> and all of that and what happened to him in the Pokemon market. So as always, I'm bringing you stocks every week here on the Market Edge. And we're going to look at what's happening with the stock market and where you can invest here in 2022 because I'm still excited about areas that are looking really great on fundamentals here in 2022. Yeah, a lot of them are on the value side, but maybe this is the time that value is really going to shine for this entire year, like some of its areas did last year as the banks and energy did fairly well last year as well with energy being the top performing sector. We'll see how that continues here in 2022. But be sure to subscribe to get the, all of our podcasts. I'm uh, bringing you them on Amazon Music. We're on Apple, of course. We're on Spotify. We're anywhere you can get major podcasts. And ours is major. So make sure you get it. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.